I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I head up hip-hop by the numbers on Twitter. We use hip-hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I am director of The Fifth Element, where I highlight The Fifth Element Hip-Hop, which is knowledge. And welcome to Digging In Digits. Ben, I don't have an intro, but I will say, since we're talking about uh, dual artists, I'm basically a triple artist, if you really want to think about it. I host, I edit, I distribute, I produce, I'm, I'm, I'm quadruple. I'm, I'm, so I'm twice as good as Kanye, that's basically what I'm saying right here. Hi Ben, how you doing? Hey, hey Charlie, I was, was going to say you're, you're a triple threat, but you're a quadruple threat, and I never even heard that term before, you've, you've created it. <laughs> I'm, I'm Hakeem a larger one, bro. A, a, tri- a quadruple double. I'm getting the blocks, I'm getting the rebounds, I'm getting the points and the steals. I'm a beast. This is all up and I'm down the court, man. You're up and down the court. It's, it's unbelievable. I'm up and down the bloody court. I'm dream shaking everybody. Anyway. Oh, I love it, man. <laughs> uh, what's good? How's your week been? And what have you been blasting this week? Uh, yeah, it's another rough week for me, but um, I'm in my shout out to Carolyn and Sam. I'm house sitting for them at the moment, taking care of their plants. Uh, so that is adulting at its best. I, I I'd really want to be about that life someday, where I just it's house sit sweet. people, <laughs> other people's you know, homes. That'll be great. This this is a genuine industry for it. My um, my parents, their best friends are actually just permanent house sitters. They sell their house and uh, they just. They just house it. That's all they ever do. They they move around the country and house sitting for people, and apparently it's very lucrative. So they quite wow. enjoy it. I I don't know if I'd enjoy it. I think I need like a, a place of my own and like a routine. But I don't know, man. They, I mean, they, I'm in the wrong business. No, nah, we're in the right business. We get to talk about hip hop every week. That's pretty sick. That's all right. <laughs> It's eight. It's eight. All right. Guess, so yeah, sure. this week I am actually going to be, uh, ironically, talking not about hip hop because I didn't listen to any new hip hop albums. Uh, I listened to the new M83 album, DSV2. Now I'm going to read out what I wrote because I'm going to get back into my reviewer bag. So I said, I am mildly amused by this M83 album because their arc has always intrigued me. Now, I discovered them back in their lucrative remix days when they were kind of like remixing for just like popular alternative rock artists and trying to get their profile up that way. Uh, right. And then and then they released Midnight City. And if anyone knows M83, like that was the peak of M83. It was like the peak of the EDM era. I saw them uh, on the Coachella live stream, like headlining. And it just was uh, a, a pinnacle. Like it was unbelievable watching them just absolutely rocked that stage so i was kind of like oh, i don't know what direction they're going to go in after this and i've always loved m83 and this is a welcome but a very heavy-handed left turn into <laughs> i wrote something resembling newfound artistry because what they've done is they've removed vocals and they've just created an instrumental album now i don't know if electronic acts understand how dense and intricate uh instrumental electronica is uh, because it is actually it's probably my second favorite genre outside of hip-hop and it's really freaking mm. hard to do well and m83 have not done it well in this so it's just it's just loose it's heavy-handed it's not immersive um it feels like if daft punk and air when they were in primary school created an album together like their very first album it's like mm. it's like 
yeah, Tonka truck kind of stuff. But I like, <laughs> I like, I like the direction that they're going Tonka in. Truck. I like the direction that they're going in, and I hope that they actually uh, pursue it until it's full fruition. Which brings me to Blank Mass's animated violence, Mild, which is the exact opposite end of instrumental electronica. It is like the pinnacle of it. Like this is just an incredible album. Um, it's it's, it's so it's a solo project of one of the members of Fuck Buttons, who is an electronic act that kind of brought swans and burial together. Like it was basically like drone electronica, and it's quite slow core. It's quite aggressive, but this album is just totally insane. Like totally, I'm I'm scared that they called it animated violence, mild. Like what the hell is heavy if that's mild? Like I wrote in this on this review. I said that when Blank Mass uh, remixes a song, they don't they don't come to pick up new followers. They come to pick to totally fuck a song up, to industrialize it beyond recognition until you're left holding the pieces of your favorite track in the middle of an acid rain downpour. That's how it feels listening to a Blank Mass remix. And this album is just aggressive i listened to it while i was cycling last week and man that was the hardest session i've ever done i must have lost four kilos in sweat just because (laughs) it was just brutal so i would highly recommend this if you're into that kind of stuff but if you have sensitive ears i would stay the hell away from that album uh i also listened to chelsea wolf's new album the birth of violence i really have always loved chelsea wolf she's almost like a cheat code like you know you're gonna get a good album out of her uh, she sounds like a sweet little pop singer, but her lyrics are anything but sweet. This is like real mature, adult. Like it's not even it's not even love songs. It's like just the the difficulty of life and the difficulty of human existence. And uh, yeah, man, she she just brings like a whole energy and vibe to pop music that I really respect and I, I think is really rare. Uh, because she could definitely go the the sugar pop route and probably make a lot of money, but that's not who she is. And um, yeah, I definitely recommend people check that album out. So that's what I listened to this week. What about yourself? Um, yeah, so I listened to a few things. Uh, so starting off again, uh, talking about last week. Uh, obviously, you listened to Ghostface Killers. Ghostface Killers. Yeah, if, yeah. If that makes any sense. Um, yeah, I listened to that uh, literally the day after we recorded, and I was just, um, I was like, yeah, this is this is Ghostface Killer. Mm, yeah, there's no doubt about that. So oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, it's yep, not so much. It, not really. Yeah, not really much explaining to do apart from that. Uh, just if, if you like Ghostface Killer, yeah, get a listen to Ghostface Killers. Um, Get into the new stuff. So we have uh, Neek, N E N E A K, uh, with Quesbar. Um, this is this is one of those uh, just, just very very intricate albums and very uh, I think inviting in terms of just um, uh, subject matter, but also just uh, sound wise. Um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of times where like the song just just continues uh kind of like a stevie wonder in a way because sometimes he has like songs where it just goes on for like another three minutes and it's literally just one thing he's either saying one thing and just repeat it over and over again that kind of happens on here a couple of times and uh it's obviously an acquired taste but there's one track i forgot what it's called but there's one track here where it's, um it, go- it goes on and there's like this spoken word uh, poem about being father and uh, being a single father and not being able to see the child for a, for a while. It's just, 
it's just heavy hitting and uh yeah so it's it's just a lot of um there's a lot of subject matter in there and it's just really worth a listen in my mind i don't know where i found i don't know where i found it to be honest someone must have shared it somewhere and i just looked to the album cover i'm like yeah i missed with that why not so it's it's lit um shout out to my boy josh uh for this one villain park the recipe <sighs> these boys right here my god this is so refreshing like it's just um so they're in like they're an la trio and it's kind of like it's kind of like uh it's kind of like flatbush zombies but with but with a west coast twist so like you've got the west coast isms like the production is very west coast uh there's got like some it's got like some you know uh, g-funk in there uh with the, the kind of like you know similar to dr dre kind of essence in there but the beats are fat like the the, the bass is thumping the lyrics are hot. It's just, it's just crazy. It's so, it's so refreshing. It's like just modern West Coast at its best, to be honest. Um, I kind of felt like, I feel like after listening to this, I was just like, there aren't many West Coast albums like this at the moment. Um, obviously we have, obviously TD practically owns the West Coast, and uh, obviously they have their own sounds in terms of particular artists, but. I don't listen to Sir's recent album uh, that I talked about a few weeks ago, and I think of I don't think of West Coast with this Villain Park record. I think West Coast, and it's it's just I love that. I love the fact that, that it just brings me to that mindset. Um, okay, Brittany Howard, uh, Jamie. Uh, it's Brittany Howard's a uh, uh, vocalist. Uh, she was a member of Alabama Shakes, if you remember that group oh, that yeah, won yeah. Uh, won a couple of Grammys a few years ago uh, for Sound and Color. Um, yeah, I listened yeah. to that. I listened to that when it initially dropped, and I saw it at the Grammys. I was like, hmm, "Yeah, I, I, I can give that a spin." So I did, and yeah. So basically, it's just her, and it's her voice is a vocalist. Like I need, I need a vocalist to like break her voice down because it's so. There, there's so many technical elements that I really want to get into, but I can't because I am so uneducated in vocalism. But she has like four different voices in a way. It's really weird. I can't really explain it. You have to listen to it. But it's just crazy how her vocals just go from go from something else and she sounds like a completely different person on another song. It's so weird. But it's so refreshing. I really like it. Um uh, production wise it's a lot of uh there's, there's some rock elements in here. There's like one song that has that's very, very, very acoustic. Um and uh yeah, it's just it's very alt all soul rock kind of thing it's it's, it's it's an interesting blend it's a real interesting blend a real real unique project in my mind for this year uh so i actually did listen to a, a bit of hip-hop um unlike some people mm-hmm. um <laughs> actually before that i'll get to i'll get to a quick ep uh Delapo, a short love story very r&b uh, British R&B kind of thing. Uh, it's like five tracks. It's, it, it didn't really vibe with me too much because I found it a bit cookie cutter. But people are hyping up, so uh, that's probably a name to look out for in the UK for a, in the next couple of years. The Lapo. Anyway, so the uh, hip hop record. So Khan is back with a third album this year. Oh, jeez. He's that's dropping epic. three, bro. That's Requiem epic. for a Dream Deferred. Um, this is probably my favorite out of the three. Um, simply because it's, it's probably his most accessible out of three. Uh, I think it's a very, very easy listen compared to the other projects. Uh, the production's very simple. There's, there's a lot of... Uh, the, the first half of it is very um, it's very 90s uh, uh, inspired. Uh, there's a lot. There's, there's some good samples there. It's very smooth hip-hop beats, and he just floats over them. Uh, but yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, just, it's just... If you can't, man. 
Khan. He, he's, that dude is so underrated as a lyricist, man. So super, super underrated. Uh, Kemba, Gilda. Uh, Kemba's a uh, New York uh, artist I've been messing with for a couple of years now. Uh, he dropped like a he dropped a record called uh, Negus a few years ago, and uh, that that made the rounds around Twitter for a bit. And uh, since then, he had a freestyle on one of Kendrick's uh, shows in Brooklyn one time. I watched that live. That was amazing. And he actually got a cosign from Kendrick at that point. It was just like, what's your name? Kemba. Look out for Kemba. And that's what Kendrick said to him. So, uh, yeah, but since then, he's obviously been making this. And out came Gilda. It's very rhythm and blues, but not in the rhythm and blues that I'm talking that most people think about. It's literally... It's, it's very rhythmic, but he's talked a lot of blues on here. Um, it's very uh, it's very introspective. Uh, you learn a lot about Kemba as a person, and there's a, there's some you know there's some New Yorkisms in there with like tracks like Dead Ass and uh, yeah there's some there's some real there's some real introspective tracks on here and it's a it's a real uh, uh, lay back on the on the therapy chair kind of kind of a kind of album so it must have been very cathartic for him to do that and uh, I highly appreciate the fact that he uh, just put it all out there on the record and I think Gild is his uh, mother's name especially from the album cover uh, you probably guessed that and lastly Sky Zoo and Pete Rock Retropolitan ah, yes <sighs> bro 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 so um, I forgot who asked this question on Twitter but someone asked it today um, and I was thinking about this like as as I finished this to Retropolitan today actually um which one, what do you prefer, Bandana or Retropolitan? And Retropolitan's obviously been out for like four or five days, so, you know, take take that with a pinch of salt if you want to. But I prefer Retropolitan over Bandana, I'm not going to lie. Um, I just, it's just it's just how I feel, man. I, I, I don't know why. I won't bother explaining it. I don't want to shit on Bandana or anything, but this is so clean. The beats are clean, as usual. The samples are absolutely oh, top-notch. Like, it's, it's some great... Uh, movie clips as well uh, for, from where I don't know but it just goes so well and Sky Zoo is uh, uh, continuing to just be a just a just a top tier lyricist like dude just dude just has great bars just and and sometimes it just goes over your head because he hasn't really got the voice to like uh, he hasn't got a unique voice in that man, in that way so like if I gave you like four voices in a line I said point out Sky Zoo you probably mm. wouldn't but mm. when you listen to the lyrics if you really try and listen, it's uh, it's just, it's just great. And uh, but yeah, I shout out to Pete Rock, top five all time. I can't, yeah. Like, yeah. There's there's not much I can say about Pete Rock that hasn't been said already. But we'll get to that one day, one we'll day, one it. day when uh, when when Ben in it uh, actually wants to uh, listen to Pete Rock. Um, anyway, so <laughs> we get to the topic for today. Yes, no, it's just just throw that just throw that little just, jab in at the end. Then. Yeah, just, just just a little knock on the arm, yeah. Just a little dig. <laughs> anyway, uh, we shall get to the topic for today. And Ben, if you want to, take it away. Okay, so we're going to do a two-part episode on this because it is such a big topic. We're going to be looking at dual discipline, just, sorry, dual discipline artists. It's quite hard to say. It's also quite hard to do. We're talking about rappers who produce, producers who rap, artists who have forged a career in both disciplines. Now, obviously, we all look at Kanye as the i guess shining light in this and kanye will be dealt with but this week we're going to do a timeline and we're going to look at the development of this dual disciplinary and 
the reasons why it exploded in the 80s, why it dropped off in the 90s and, and 2000s, and why it has experienced such a big resurgence since around 2010. Uh, and, and we'll discover that it's not just Kanye, there's plenty of artists that, you know, it was a huge thing in the 80s uh, and it, it just really exploded. So that's mm. what we're going to be doing this week. We're going to give a background. We're going to look at, I guess, uh, the, the reasons around it, why, um, why artists gravitate towards this, uh, what it means for their art. And then next week we will be looking at uh, specific artists so we're going to look at, you know, guys, Dr. Dre, Q-Tip, RZA, um, Kanye, of course, Eminem, J. Cole. And we're just going to have a look at them individually and look at how much they produced of their own music, how much those producers rapped. You know, just get into the statistics and then get into some subjective conversation around those artists and whether being dual discipline artists was positive or negative on their career, et cetera, et cetera. But this week, I want to have a look at the timeline of it because... We talked about this on the producer article where, uh, sorry, producer podcast, where I said when I first listened to Jay-Z's Blueprint 2, I was so confused that he wasn't the producer of those songs because the producers weren't listed. And that was like, to me, that was insane. I'm like, I, I assumed he created the whole song. But hip-hop, mm. and, and I say this to say that hip-hop was born in the early 70s and it was born of these uh, block parties where you would have the DJ like chopping up their record collection and creating breakbeats and creating these like danceable moments. And because hip hop was born in the live performance era arena, there wasn't really an opportunity for those DJs and those producers to stand behind the microphone. You know, they were behind the boards, they were behind the, the turntable creating the music. And it, it created this space for rappers to hop up and take the microphone and fill in those spaces with words and, and ride the beat and, and flow, etc., etc. So I honestly believe, and, and I'm not saying that this is statistically provable, but I believe that the reason that we have such a distinction between producer and rapper goes all the way back to the birth of hip-hop where those lines and those roles were clearly defined because they were defined out of, uh, I guess, necessity. You know, if you mm-hmm. on the on the turntables chopping the records up, you can't be holding the microphone rapping along at the same time. Like, it just doesn't mm-hmm. work that way. And we know mm-hmm. what MC, MC comes from Master of Ceremonies and it comes from mm-hmm. that person who was, they were hyping the crowd up, they were talking, they were talking slick uh, over the Clip beats. Your hands, everybody. Exactly, 100%. <laughs> And, you know, we've seen this all the way through hip-hop history. And I honestly think this is an important podcast to do now because I truly believe it's changing. I think that, you know, Kanye fought so hard to not just be a producer, to be a rapper as well. And I'm not saying that Kanye... Well, Kanye did, did blaze a trail, but uh, now it certainly seems like there is no... There's no stereotypical role. Like, you don't have to be just a producer you don't have to be just a rapper you can you can like it's very fluid you can go between the two like xxx tentacion uh produced some of his own music you know ugly god produces most of his own music uh jay-z's had production credits on his last album so i think it's definitely been shifting and changing but it's taken a really long time for us to get to this point and um Mm. yeah i I just honestly i honestly believe it goes all the way back to the birth of hip-hop yeah i mean yeah, well, I'll hardly agree. As the the evidence is there when you talk about um, artists that 
I find it I find it actually interesting in the annals of hip hop history how we don't really talk about that in terms of um in terms of history and in terms of the you know the past 30 40 years ago where obviously we love to talk about the uh hip hop parties that Cool Herc was hosting or the uh or the community driven stuff that uh, the Zulu Nation was doing or uh whatever Grandmaster Flash was doing we love to talk about that, but we rarely get to the point where there's a, a few years after that when hip-hop has started to make root in other places such as California, Oakland, uh, the South, Texas, or uh, uh, Atlanta, Miami. Um, the, t- the the technology ha- ha- obviously evolved to a point where you can, where you can be able to do both. Um Maybe when it comes to a show, you'd have to obviously, I don't know, give the reins to uh, the, the some someone else to help you DJ while mm. you do your MCing. But when it comes to making a record, um, you could there were there were ways where you could uh, I don't know uh, pause taping. Uh, I think that's uh, I think that's the term for it. And you could do that. You can make the beat first and then do your vo- vocals next, or however you want to do it. So obviously, technology is I think. In this case, in terms of, in terms of historical context, and also, well, we'll discuss it later. But also, why it's become made a resurgence, in my opinion, um, it, it gives because the technology has uh, updated over the years. Um, it's given people the ability to just well, why not do both? You know, just do it, do it all. I mean, you know, I can relate to that in some way. You know, just. Just do a podcast by yourself. Why not? Why not? You know what I mean? It's yeah. the, the tools are there. We have the tools to do it. Um, and it's the, well, to to me, for me, it's a lesser extent, clearly. <laughs> but it's, uh, but you know, it's, it's applicable. Yeah, 100%. And also money has been a, a massive issue. Exactly. And, and what I noticed when I, so I, I did a whole series of this on Central Source. We did a bunch of articles. And when I was researching I guess the history of, of dual discipline artists, I noticed that there was a massive explosion of it happening in the, the mid to late 80s and early 90s. Now, I've got some statistics here. Now, there were from 1987 to 1994, there were 18 platinum albums by solo rappers who had a production credit on more than 40% of the songs on their own album. Okay, so the, the solo lead rapper produced more than 40% of their own album. Then these are artists that are well-known names that you might not even know were producing their own stuff. Ice T, MC Hammer, Sir Mix a Lot, mm. Slick Rick, Too Short, Ice Cube, Scarface, and we also had DJ Quick, Dr. Dre, and Warren G in there as well. So mm. what I noticed when I was researching this, I went, uh, I, f- I found a, uh, let me find if, if I can find it here. So I found a book that uh, Ice T and uh, Africa Islam were talking about the recording of the album Power in the book. And mm-hmm. they simply said there was not enough money in hip-hop for production budgets, recording studios, mix engineers, etc. And Ice-T said that Power was recorded in a matter of months in a closet at a friend's house. And it brought Ice-T into the production process almost by default because they had no real time and they had no real money. They just had to get it done. And if you look at MC Hammer, I know that he was very commercially successful, but he'd already created his uh, collaborative process with 
uh, his production team. That oh, I forget the name of the the producer that he always worked with. Um, I'm really sorry for that, but there's a producer that he always worked with, and, and they were producing before he got his deal together. And so my theory is that it was money that was the motivating force behind. Uh, rappers producing their own music back in the day they just didn't have the money for production budgets and it was there was a lot of barriers to entry back then anyway because that the production equipment was freaking expensive like it was really mm. hard and and I think that's a lot of the reason why there just weren't like I've gone over the statistics there weren't that many top 10 hip-hop albums in the 80s at all and it was kind of when major labels came into the game and started flooding the market with money that uh, artists were, you know, they had more scope to create. They had more money. They had more time. They had more energy. They didn't have to work a full-time job. They could they could focus truly on their art. But I just, I honestly found it so interesting that some of these artists like Ice Cube and MC Hammer were producing their own music. And I don't think a lot of people know that. But and I just honestly think, like, Cool Mo D was really the first back in 87 uh it went platinum uh how you like me now so it it wasn't really until but that was when i say that i mean mainstream success a lot of rappers uh who were prominent were producing their own music but they hadn't been achieving mainstream success yet so it wasn't really till the late 80s that uh hip-hop in general started to achieve mainstream success i think beastie boys license to ill was the first number one album that was 86 i think so if you think about it, that's 13 years since uh, those, you know, the birth of hip hop. And um, mm. I, I just found it interesting that these artists, you know, MC Hammer has a production credit on 97.4% of his first three albums. That's wild, man. That's yeah. like one of those albums is Diamond. Like, yeah. I don't know, man. Did we, I wonder if we missed something, like just lost a little bit of authenticity when... Uh, the 90s came around. I don't know, I just found those statistics interesting. Well, my thing, thinking about that, all that information is, like, why wouldn't... Why why do they never uh, make light of that fact that they did the production as well as the MCing? Because, mm. you know, when you talk about someone like Too Short or whatever, uh, or MC Hammer as well, um, obviously Too Short was more about you know, well, well, I say this, but he clearly had a hand in his own production, but we see him strictly as a, an MC and strictly as just um, um, him talking about what he used to talk about. And even in MC Hammer's uh, case, most of the time, it was more about the dancing and the entertainment over yeah, everything. for sure. Because sure. that was just his overall history. He was a dancer before anything else, and he was very, very, very... Uh, invested into that side of entertainment um, and clearly music was just a vessel for him to get that to get that uh, to scratch that itch so I guess in those cases um, it may, I guess thinking about it now it makes sense that you wouldn't uh, bother talking about that because I guess they don't did I wonder did they see it as just a secondary thing like ah, yeah that's that's a that's a part of it but it's not everything you know what i mean like nobody it's weird how production isn't talked about in that uh in that in that way when it talk when we're, when we're talking about the history um when we're talking about the way back history i just find that a bit um 
I don't know, perplexing, because I'd be flexing yeah. that constantly. You know, I'd be yes. going like, I produced this, I did the lyrics, I did all of it, you know what I mean? All that, my own it. you know, I'm, I'm happy to flex that kind of uh, thing. I, I, ain't, I ain't humble on that, I wouldn't be humble on that front. I just, well, was... uh, I just find it weird that nobody covers, uh, they don't, they don't, not even the artists themselves cover that kind of fact. There was an MC Hammer song that I was, I forget, I think it was MC Hammer where he did mention, and it was quite braggadocious about how he produces and raps, uh, but it was only one song. But just subjectively with the benefit of, the total benefit of hindsight and also very aware of, I'm being aware right now of the fact that it seems like every year forward we go, we lose a year in hip-hop history. It's like people don't talk about 86 when you get to 2006 and then you get to 2007 people forgot about 87 it's like it's it's this weird amnesia that hip-hop has but from my standpoint i look back and i'm like the beats weren't the center stage back then you know for example nowadays in hip-hop the beat is the key man like we were talking about uh on the producer episode the zz beat with kodak black and we were just like well yeah kodak black doesn't do anything on that song it's yeah. the producer Whereas back in the day, yeah, and I'm not saying, only. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that the producers didn't do any any of the work back in the day because obviously Eric B and Rakim, DJ uh, Jesse Jeff, etc. EPMD, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, EPMD, of course. But it was more about what the rapper was saying on Wax, and, and we gravitate more towards uh, like Easy E and um, Ice Cube and uh, and the the rap and Rakim. And, and we, we look back on them more so than the producers. I think just because the lyrics were the centerpiece in the 80s. And maybe that's why rappers uh, who were producing their own music weren't as forthcoming with that kind of braggadocio. Like, I produced this as well, man, the flexing. Because maybe it just wasn't seen as that, that big of a thing back then. I'm not sure. Like, I wasn't alive back then through this yeah. era. So, I mean, yeah. that could be a reason. That could be a reason. But even with that, thinking about that, so I'm referencing the article you're talking about here that you wrote. Um, you also mentioned that DJ Quick and Warren G also have um, uh, they the, they produced ninety percent of their production for Quick is the name and also regulate G Funk era classics. Mm. Those are classics right there. Yeah. Like those, yeah. those are absolute classics. And you know, you, you, I just don't. I just don't think about. I just don't think about that. I just I just don't understand. Like, and even in the nineties, right when it's such a at that point where I think obviously the nineties introduces more, more more of everything, let's be real. Um just literally everything in hip hop just got a complete steroid uh, injection in every facet. Um yeah. but obviously there were super producers in that sense. Um people like Dr. Dre uh, later in later in that decade. But uh, I, I, I don't know I, again, I just I just can't really wrap up <laughs> I just can't really wrap my brain around like why is this so it's like it's like I feel like we're digging up well we are digging in digits but we are digging up like gems here of just oh Warren Jeeb did a 90% of regulate like this should be no this should be you know general fact mm. but I, 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 is it just me or uh, did everyone else know that and I didn't maybe but I just find it a bit. I just find it so mind-boggling, and I get it if it was in the eighties, because um, I would I would understand, I guess, in a way, because uh, MCing was obviously uh, if you if you got anything 
you know, if you've got any recognition, then it's going to be for what you say on it and how yeah, you yeah. how you say things. Uh, production, obviously, on that front isn't wasn't as coveted. But boy, was production coveted in the nineties. We can agree on that. So I just, I just, I just find it so interesting, uh, just how under the rug <laughs> this kind of stuff is. I, do, I just don't really. It, it's just, it's simply blowing my mind, to be honest. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with how much coverage hip hop got back in the day. You know, like we had the Source and Double XL and Vibe in the mid to yeah. late nineties. But yeah. in that early 90s period in the late 80s, again, hip-hop was, uh, it was a force, but it was not a commercial mainstream force anywhere near the level it would ascend to in the late 90s. And so I think the issue is that a lot of music uh, got lost and a lot of stories were lost. And the problem is, as I said with the amnesia thing, is that as... I guess what I'm trying to say is when people came into hip-hop, like when the mainstream population came into hip-hop in the mid-90s, it was like that's when their experience with hip-hop started. And so even now in 2019, people want to hear stories about Illmatic and about Ready to Die and about, you know, all that stuff. But it's it's almost like they don't even want to hear stories about the 80s, late 80s and early 90s. It's almost like they don't care about that anymore because it just wasn't, mainstream enough and and that confuses me like i listened to drink champs and uh i was listening a lot to combat jack back, combat jack back in the day uh rest in mm. peace and um he just didn't they they never had that many 80s and early 90s artists on there it was like they would get the artists it was basically like from 93 onwards and so i think that's why and shout out to dart adams who we were speaking about earlier he's someone who actually knows all this stuff but he's like a unicorn in it like there's not that many people who know who have that depth of knowledge going back that far if you if you went back to like 95 i guarantee you there's a lot of people with a lot of knowledge like a lot of knowledge and, and a lot of writers who are still writing today who were on the ground during that period um but if you go back to like eight late 80s and early 90s, I honestly think it's just because there wasn't as much hip-hop coverage and there just wasn't as much money in it. There weren't many as many people around it. And those stories are lost. And so we forget that Warren G was at the forefront of yeah. gangs, of, um, of, of G-Funk, which like we, we put it on Dr. Dre and we can. You know, Dr. Dre was pivotal in it. Yeah. But yeah. we forget about like how can we forget about DJ Quick? Like, how do you forget about DJ Quick? Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And then you look back at the MCs, and we, we always talk about Rakim. But uh, even Slick Rick has kind of fell off the radar of, of the collective consciousness for, for years until recently, where people are actually going back and realizing the influence he had on modern mm-hmm. hip-hop. And uh, yeah, man, and I, I say that to make this point. I honestly think that hip-hop just... You are 100% right when you say that it got an injection of steroids in the 90s. And I think... That was major labels coming in and injecting the the industry and the genre with money. And then all of a sudden, the whole world opened up and we started to hear the stories and we started to actually see the influential artists and the Warren G's and the DJ Quicks. It never happened again. Like if you're an influential artist, people know about you from 95 mm-hmm. onwards, whereas prior, they got a bit lost in the, in the yeah, I guess in the darkness of... Like, I, I, you know, I'm not, when I say darkness, I mean, like, people didn't 
really talk about hip hop that much. And this is again just with hindsight. I'm I wasn't around during the time, but I'm just making a like positing a theory about this because that just seems to be what happened. Well, I wouldn't. Well, I'll, I'll add on that, and I would say that I wouldn't say it was about um, the conversation itself or a matter of buzz. I just, well, trying, I guess, to answer my uh, initial confusion. Maybe it's just because you know we've said it. We said it obviously before in the produ- in the producer episode way back. The producers don't just just don't get that respect. Yeah, most so of, true, most, man. Of, most of them really just don't get that respect. And I guess in an artist's case, maybe that's just a maybe that's just a thing that people didn't mess with. Like you know, you, if you have your name on the album, that's enough. <laughs> and if you obviously did the lyrics and, and you're you know up front and center, then that's fine. Nobody really cared about. Uh, I guess the masses didn't really. Well, probably still. Well, they still don't. Care about the technicals. They, they they don't care like oh who who produced who, who produced this. You know what I mean? It's it's re- it's rare most of the time. It only happens when you know, uh, especially in these days. It's it's usually just when like someone has a um someone has a good uh, producer tag and that becomes <laughs> that becomes a meme and then like they, and they just yeah. uh you know if if they hear that one metro beat and it's like I want to hit every metro beat now it's 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 just how it is and that doesn't happen for every artist not every yeah. well every producer sorry not every producer has a producer tag you know i know i know uh, the soul council uh, names but they don't put their names on the on the track <laughs> you know you don't get you don't see a rhapsody beat and then just goes no 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 ninth wonder no doesn't they, 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 they do that they don't do that you, you know what if you want that if you want that you can have it don't do it ninth don't do that that's no man don't do that please we know it's you ninth it's top level we know it's you I would like the credit, but I also wouldn't want him to do it at the same no. time. So I'd be very conflicted if he actually did that. So um, I don't know how to feel about that. So, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So producers just, um, in, especially in these days, I don't want to move too head too far ahead, but I just want to make this little point that now, if you, it only happens to a few producers at a time where you where people know their names and. And most of the time it is via a producer tag, and you know that's all well and good. That is all well and good. If, you know, it's it's a way to it's a way to get put your name out, and I completely understand it. And I respect that hustle, but sometimes it just gets a little bit annoying. You know, DJ Khaled, oh, no, no skip, no, skip, that's too much. skipity <laughs> skip, skip, skippity hopscotch. I'm hopscotching, <laughs> hopscotching away from that fucker. All right, not not doing that. So sometimes it can just be. <laughs> just, just admittedly a little bit irritating so um what was the, what was the point i was getting to i've got i've gone off track by roasting i know oh, i'm an idiot but anyway um yeah so i just i just think that um sometimes i just think the main i guess, I guess it's just the masses that don't really see producers as a thing um you know we hear about michael jackson but we never think about well most people don't think about quincy jones you know, it, it's just, it, I think it's just how it is. And also on the point of the 90s, um, I would pose a theory as well, to, uh, on top of yours, that maybe because they, most of them were major labels and all that, maybe they were just, um, I don't know, maybe nudged towards not being both 
or not being everything. Mm. Just like you know, get get people in. It's always about a team, isn't it? You know, just get a team in. Um, maybe 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 it is like it's like that for some. Maybe not for all of the um, case studies that we've offered here, but maybe there were some where they just signed up to a major label and there was a I don't know a few in-house producers and. You know, they just got them to do it. And then the artist of note uh, focused on the lyrical side. So it may have just been that. But, um, yeah, there was obviously, like like I said in your um, article, which I'll uh, remember to uh, put in the link in this description of the show, um, there was obviously uh, just a dip of just um, dual... uh, uh, What's the word? (laughs) Dual artistry. (laughs) Yeah, dual discipline artists. All right, dictionary. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. Like, I think the when major labels came in, it, it created this this space in hip hop for the super the super producer. And Dr. Dre became, I believe, the first one when these these super producers would come in and just produce like every track or most of the tracks on an album, and and they would have this aura around them, and all of a sudden that album would be uplifted. And obviously, Doggy Style is a great example of that. Uh, but there were heaps, man. There were heaps in the 90s if you compare it to the 80s. Like we had DJ Premier, Large Professor, Tone and Poke, Easy Moby, Daz Dillinger, Organized yeah, so Noise. So why wouldn't you want to just be an, uh, a lyricist if you just have them people on? You know what I mean? 100%, like, man. Would you want to produce? 100%. <laughs> like what's the point? You know, LL Cool J produced some of his own music in the early 90s. But after that, he didn't have another production credit until 2013 on Authentic. And why would he, you know? It's like he now has these huge production budgets and these uh, super producers are being com- are coming up. And also I looked at, uh, there was this dynamic in the 80s where hip hop groups would have, and I wanna talk about this one day as well, like the, the fact that hip hop groups were pretty big in the 80s and 90s and then they just disappeared. Like we're getting back to it a little bit with like Beast Coast, etc. but it's mm. rare, man. Like you look at uh, Tribe Called Quests, Fuji's, etc. But like back in the day, let me find these. Um, what I was talking about here. So you had like Chuck D of Public Enemy, Eric Sermon, and PMD of EPMD, both produced and rapped. Dr. Dre was in World Class Wrecking Crew and NWA, produced and rapped. Q-tipped in Q-tip in Tribe Called Quest, RZA in Wu Tang, right? So they were all producers who rapped on on Wax. And then what I noticed is this shift towards label collectives rather than uh, actual groups. So if you look at, they, it's like a label had an in-house producer. Uh, you know, Rockefeller had Just Blaze and Kanye West. Yeah. Cash Money had Manny Fresh. And Manny Fresh yeah. went on a run, man. Uh, like Dr. Dre for Aftermath. And I think Death Row, he was on Death Row. And they had a couple others over there as well. Bad Boy had Hitman. And so mm-hmm. you're, you're 100% right when you were talking about how uh, these labels had these in-house producers who were basically creating this label sound and then yes. putting these like really uh, charismatic rappers over the top of it and just creating like an incredible dynamic that they didn't have in the in the in the 80s and and there was no i honestly think there was no real incentive unless you were genuinely interested in the production process and mm-hmm. everything i've read about for example Eminem was that he was genuinely interested in production he didn't have to obviously he had Dr Dre behind him 
but he, you know, kind of said to and and Eminem is a mid a mid mid tier to low tier producer. Like he made his own beats work because of his own lyricism and his just his persona and personality. But mm-hmm. come on, man, he's no, no one, no one. Yeah, nobody's on looking a, for producer M. No, no one's hopping on an M beat. Like I got all this, I got all this heat, man. I got this heat from Eminem. Like, what do, he, what do you he, think his producer tag will be? Uh, it'll be something to do with feces. Like it, I don't know, man. That guy's there's something wrong with that guy. Like oh god, imagine that'd be great. It's just oh. awful. But that's what I mean. Like there was you're right, man, there was no incentive for these these rappers to produce. Why would there be? It's like these huge budgets. You can just pay Swiss Beats or Timberland to come in or Pharrell and just create something insane and you've got the name to go along it along with it and you got a hit there, man. Yeah. I mean yeah, I get I guess I think you're completely correct on that front. It's just uh if if it's there and it works, then it works. Um, I mean, I personally thinking about it, there is a there is an irksome feel towards that. Thinking about how they how you said label sound and that word just really stuck in my head of just mm. how hmm is is that something I would rate? You know what I mean? It's just uh, it, 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 if it if it doesn't if you're like um because because sometimes it just doesn't really fit. Because the reason why a label like TD, for example, works is because yeah, they have in they have in house producers, they have like Soundwave and all and all that, and Ali and all that. They have the gang, but none of their albums sound the same from eyes to eyes. A Kendrick album does not sound like a Schoolboy Q album. A J Rock album does not sound like a a Sazer album. A Sir album does not sound like a a a Isaiah Rashad album. By the way, Isaiah. Clock's ticking, by my boy. Oh, End of the year. Man. Just saying. Just, just nah, saying. He's, he's got to. Be, no, he's got to be going through something because I posted those statistics up the other day about how long it's been since he yeah. he released an album, and um, everyone was just like, Isaiah's got to drop something, and I, I think he must be going through something, man, because it it's amazing that he's dropped a couple of projects. Sorry to get off topic, but he's only dropped a couple of projects, but he still has such a huge buzz in 2019. Yeah. yeah, man, he's got to be going through something. But anyway, that's just a side note. Yeah, po- possible. We'll, we'll, um, if he ever mentions it, then we'll understand. But um, Yeah, man. Yeah, so what I was saying was um, that, you know, TDE, even though they have in-house producers, and, you know, all, I think, well, do all labels have in-house producers? Probably do, isn't it? Most, most labels. Uh, um, most yeah, labels I mean, would. It's probably cons- yeah, it's probably consensus. Uh, well, well, yeah, that's 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 a somebody somebody put some research into that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, get the Googles on. Um, yeah, so let's just say they all have in-house producers, right? I just don't really. Sometimes the label sound that um, so, like people, especially like uh, uh, Bad Boy and Death Row, are really pushing for. Um, I, I don't I don't see that working for everybody. No, you know, no. I, I, just, I just I just don't. And maybe that's also a from a producer standpoint as well may where maybe they just were really or told to because i watched them um, hip-hop evolution recently and there was a bit on the hitman and puff and them going to some caribbean island i forget where it was bahamas or whatever and they basically just woke up made beats and and, and that was it so they obviously were asked to create this sort of sound for what for for all their work but i just don't feel like there's uh, that that always should be a thing 
And this is getting a little bit off topic because we're talking about dual artistry here, but I'm just t- talking about like producers and uh, sometimes that would that wouldn't really. What am I saying here? Sometimes, sometimes I just I, the, the the notion of label sound really irks me, and I think that's what I really enjoy, uh, especially coming to now and talking about some artists that we'll talk about uh, next episode where. They're they're just doing whatever, and it just yeah. you know, and you, and sometimes I don't I don't even know what label JPEG Matthews on. I don't no. I don't know if he's independent. He's not. He's independent. There you I go. No I, don't, I, I, don't, okay. I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know what he's on. So, and that's just because you know it's just there's nothing that sounds like it. So I really enjoy the fact that for some uh, dual artist, uh, dual disciplined eyes to. to get geeky like you um <laughs> some of them just uh either create their own sound and you know obviously sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't we'll discuss that next episode but um yeah i just really i like the freedom the notion of freedom that uh a, a dual a dual discipline artist would have like they did back in the 80s because you know too short was like yeah i can make whatever beat i want i'm gonna make this yeah. and it was obviously significantly too short like it's just you just know it's too short when you listen to him so uh you know and uh yeah I, I, I just i just don't really i kind of push back on the concept of just like a label sound even though um my favorite record label at the moment jamla sounds just constantly so good <laughs> but it all <laughs> sounds the, you know for, for all intents and purposes all sounds the same in a way but it's just so fucking good so you know it, it uh, might have that might um shit on my whole th- uh whole concept there but hey just, we're all flawed here we're all human <laughs> no i think well i think it just depends on the uh on the label and the stable yeah, of artists sure. you have in it if you have a a wide variety of, of top tier lyricists it's exactly. not gonna be that bad. Like it's gonna be fine. Yeah. And uh, I want to also shout out Too Short because he kept producing after he signed a major label deal, and he just kept producing his own music. And he was one of the only ones who continued down that path, or he was one of the the only bastions in the '90s who was still doing it. Nice. Uh, but just to um, wrap it up a little bit, let's look at the late 2000s and then yes. this new explosion of of basically what you're talking about. Like JPEG Mafia is is independent. Yeah. But we've certainly um, hit a different period in time in hip hop, and I'm not going to put it at Kanye's feet because that was '04. You know, it was it was early on, and and it didn't mm-hmm. really explode until '09, 2010. And I've got some artists here that I believe were quite uh, instrumental in this. Uh, Cuddy, definitely. Uh, Big Crit, Janelle Monae was involved as well in the late '90s. Good job. Uh, I'm going to say two names right now because I wrote this down. So these two artists are forever linked and these are two artists you're never going to hear linked in any other way other than on Digging in the Digits and Hip Hop Numbers because I'm just <laughs> I'm just like that, man. Soldier Boy and Lauren Hill. <laughs> okay. In the podcast. And, and, and on that note, we shall call it a day. Soldier Boy and Lauren Hill. <laughs> Are the only two rappers in oh history God. to go number one with their debut single that they produced alone, no co-producers, and they this had is no disgusting. guests. Doop and this crank is that to uh, two entrances into hip hop history and the hip hop hall of fame, right there, man. Nah. 
And that, you know what the scariest thing is that a lot of people criticize me about that and I think they have a little bit of a point when they say, I don't think Lauren Hill produced that song. And I don't know what's going on with that case, man. I don't know what happened with that, like uh, the, the credit and the production credit on that on that album. But I just got to go by the official credits and it said Lauren Hill produced the whole thing. So, you know, I'm, I'm just saying that Lauren Hill produced it. But yeah, Soldier Boy was at this kind of uh, forefront of, of rappers producing their own music. Little B was doing it as well. And it was, I honestly, <laughs> Charlie's just having an aneurysm in the background while I continue. No, I, the I, blasphemy I, is just absurd, bro. Like, it's just, why is the world doing that to me? That is the, that is the universe fuck with me. I don't know, man, because it can't be me. I'm just, I'm just reporting the facts. Yeah, I want to slap the messenger right now. So. <laughs> I'm glad we live in different, in different countries right now because you reach through this laptop the table and just punch me in the nose. Really reach hard. through this laptop. Trust me, <laughs> Matrix this shit. Oh. But yeah, so um, and I honestly think it had a lot to do with the internet, and we keep saying this, but it basically made production software significantly cheaper, basically yes. free for people who yes. are just going to illegally download stuff. Yes. And, uh, you know, I wrote down here that J. Cole, for his 15th birthday, his mother bought him an ASRX for $1,300. Oh, sorry, it was for, his, for a Christmas present. That's a mm. lot of freaking money, man. Compare mm. that to just downloading Fruity Loops for free on your computer, <laughs> and now you're a mm. producer. Like, mm-hmm. it's, compl- it's, it, it's such a reduction in the barriers to entry. And yes. I, I, I'll throw all the way back to Too Short, who was quoted in an interview saying... The reason that he got into production was because uh, the people he was working with didn't want to pay for samples. So they were doing all the instrumentation themselves live. Mm. And they were like, they had a big studio that had all the equipment. And then they would just go to the studio and then do all their work in there. And the studio owned the equipment. So they didn't have to buy it themselves. They didn't, but they had to go to that place. Imagine if you could just download all of that equipment for free and mm. then sit at home in your room and create. Mm. And I think yeah. that's. I, it has to be a huge reason why we now have such a wealth of dual discipline artists. You know, you got Logic, Childish Gambino, Tyler, Earl, Mac Miller, rest in peace, Travis Scott, XXX Tentacion, rest in peace, Ugly God, and even Nav has produced a lot of. He apparently has a production credit on Back to Back. That's crazy. Like, how wild is that, you know? It's like, and I don't think these are producers that are just getting into, like, rapping. You know, Swiss Beats raps occasionally. Timbaland's dropped a couple of rap albums where he dropped some verses. But these are rappers and producers. These are true dual-discipline artists. They're not one or the other, you know? They don't dabble. They create in both realms. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I honestly feel it has a lot to do with the internet. Yeah, I mean, that was actually the last point I was going to pick up on, is just how history has repeated itself in a way. Like, if you think about, think about uh, back in the day, right? New York Blackout. That's when everyone in New York had a sound system. That's when everyone had turntables, because everyone rioted during the Blackout, and they got the gear they wanted. Um, if you want to, if you want to, like, a good... The demonstration of that uh, or dramatization of that go watch the get down the best show on in netflix history um and yeah it's kind of repeat itself in a way where there is now plenty of programs that you could just pop on on your phone and there's always a new one there's always a new one that people hop onto 
Um, and that's kind of reminiscent of the blackout in a way. It's just like people just going, ah, oh, fever pitch, and let's just let's just go let's just go produce. And um, I think that's really what it comes down to now. I think it's just the accessibility and the like you said, the bar for being a producer, quote unquote, has just dramatically lowered. Like anybody could be a producer right now. I can download a beat a beat kit right now. Yeah. and make a beat on my phone in like 30 minutes <laughs> it's really that simple so um yeah i think the accessibility uh, like we talked about in the previous episode which i'll probably link uh, well we've already linked several times but <laughs> I, might, I might do it in the description as well um it's just uh, it's it's just super easy these days um for better or worse and uh, obviously from the uh, some of the ice you mentioned you know some of them shouldn't produce and some of them <laughs> just shouldn't rap but yes. i'm sure we will get to, that, get to that next week <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and on that note we shall get to a light note and i think ben has a couple so off oh to you. yeah okay yeah no no good summing up i like that um lighter note is i don't get breaking bad okay so Ooh. i am re-watching game of thrones with my father and I'm watching like reviews of it and stuff like that of every episode. And people just keep mentioning Breaking Bad and saying how amazing it is. And, and I'm mm. like, my, I got I to sit down and watch this. Like, it's clearly. A, is this the first time you've seen of, it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. First okay. time I've seen it. I've never seen okay. it before. Yeah. So I'm watching the first season and I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, this is, this is slow. Like, when's the writing going to start? Like, when's it going to start speeding up? When's the action going to happen? When's something going to happen? When's when's Skylar going to stop asking him, where have you been? It's been like seven Girl. episodes and she yeah, asks him every episode. Um, and then, then season two comes around and I found myself skipping like scenes because I'm like, wow. I know it's so telegraphed. I know exactly what's going to happen in this scene. I could literally read a synopsis and I know... I can just skip forward to the next episode because nothing's going to surprise me here. Nothing's, there's no, I, it just felt, anyway, so I had all this in my head and I, I knew that people love this show. So I started texting some friends. I text uh, four different people. The first four people I texted all said similar versions of what I was feeling. Uh, it's overrated. It's pretty slow. It's not that great. Yeah. And uh, I had one person tell me it was really great secondhand. One person said, my boyfriend thinks it's freaking amazing. But all the people I spoke to firsthand said, it's pretty mid. And I feel the same, mm-hmm. man. It's, it's yeah. pretty mid. I, I hope it gets better. I'm halfway through season three. I want to get through it. but Because um, people say the last episode is the greatest episode in TV history. Um, yeah. I mean... My my, I've I've kind of the same thoughts as you. I've I've, I've I'm, I was where you were at. <clears throat> Excuse me, I was where you were at like um, maybe two three years ago, because <clears throat> there was a point where I was in uh, sixth form um, or college, as some people call it, and um, and there were, and uh, Breaking Bad just dropped on Netflix like uh, that that year, and at that point Breaking Bad was out like. Well, I started the OA in it, so what was this like? Twenty thirteen, yeah, twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen. So it's it's been around. It's, it was around for a few years, and everyone was on it. I was like, guys, it it started in oh eight. If it was that good, you would have known about it by now. Mm. Now that it's on Netflix, now you're suddenly like number one fan. Ah. Fakery. Stop being cheap. So mm. yeah, on that front, I understand. I, I I was like, I was just off it 
in general. But then I actually just went, you know what? I'm not going to be a dick. Let me just go and watch it and see for myself, right? For my own conclusions. Um, so I did watch it, and in the same, and I kind of, uh, I watched it with my mother, and uh, we kind of not binged it, but we, I think we watched like an episode and a day um, most of the time, uh, give or take, because uh, it was on a repeat on a channel. So I was like, not oh, going then. Let's give it a go. And yeah, I feel the same way. As, I felt the same way as you. Um, overall, is super overrated i think yeah, uh it's a yeah, good show I, th I do think it gets better in uh, later seasons i will i will say that to you um but it the, the, the my main my main problem with it is the characters suck they all suck they i, I just hate them all they all boring, I, they, they all suck in some way uh skylar is it's just just oh, whack Marie is the worst person in television. I hate how fucking frustrated she is. She just does nothing good. For, and, and that's kind of the things as well. Like, sometimes I just don't really... I'm not really here for that. Like, I, I, I don't know if it's my investment and I'm not putting enough investment in. But you have to... We have to meet halfway here for some for, for shows, innit? It's, it's a matter of meeting halfway. Like, I'm going to give you my attention, but you really need to pull me in at some point. And it really takes... There's, like, good episodes here and there. But when I got to, like, the catchphrases that everyone was giving me and I had no idea what it was about, I got to the catchphrase episodes and I was like, was that it? <laughs> that was Gosh, it. That, was yeah. that it? Was that the Was that the really hyped episode that you guys were talking about? rubbish so i don't know yeah i don't i don't see the hype i've never seen the hype um while i did uh, while i find it an okay show you know it's, it's, like you said it's mid it's mid it's above average i would say um but yeah not worth the plaudits that it gets i think from a from a writing perspective i think on that note if i'm talking about it professionally from a writing standpoint it's probably really good but yeah it's um the execution is not is not all that for me. Um, just the characters are irritating as shit, and if the if the characters are irritating, irritating to me, then I just struggle because it's like it's like having it's like having more than one Joffrey, uh, if to quote Game of Thrones. I'm just like, ugh, why, yeah. why? Yeah, that's the thing. There's only that's one. The thing. There should be only one, and he should die it's... quickly. <laughs> They just do like that. I honestly don't like the writing at all. I think it's really freaking formulaic and it's really obvious what they're trying to do all the time. Like someone was telling me about how the different colors are motifs and they mean different things. I'm like, I know, man, I learned that in year 11 English. Like, and then, and then like when there's it starts with an episode and he has half of oh, a million dollars and he puts, and I knew exactly what was going to happen before it happened. He puts it in the, the barbecue. Yeah, trying to be cute with he it. He lights it on fire. And then I'm like, there's no way. And he threw it in the wall. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, bro. Like, how fucking telegraphed is this writing? And I, <laughs> and I know that they were trying to create these characters and create, like, drag you into their universe. And now you can, like, relate to them. But then they made the characters so unrelatable. I'm just like, it, so and a lot unlikable. of people say... Yeah, a lot of people say, oh, it's, it's just like real life. Like, that's how it would happen in real life. I'm like, no, it's boring as shit, man. Yeah, like, and even if it what, was, like, do we want that? Who the fuck cares? Like, what's the point, man? I don't give a fuck about some high school teacher <laughs> selling meth. Like, give me some wild shit. Like, this is a wild concept. And I'm halfway through season three, 
and the most exciting thing was the two planes crashing together at the it was like 30 seconds of tv i was like oh that was i didn't expect that was the first thing that happened in the show that i didn't predict happening when that happened i was like wow okay shit yeah that's cool because they show clips of it in it yeah, and I was yeah. just like, oh, man. Oh, man, it's, I'm not fucking with it. I think what what it's shown me is that it's not just music that can be overrated. Like, people just oh, going to yeah. jump on. Oh, yeah. And, like, the hype just goes crazy. I'm like, this, is, this doesn't live up to the hype in any way. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, man. Oh, well, have you got a lighter note? Um, do I? Um. No, I'm, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of chill to be honest. Um, you know, there's uh there's sometimes where and I'm not I'm just thinking out loud right now. Um, so you know where I go where I, I go where I go. Um, I have been thinking a lot about uh just uh how people respond to our work sometimes. Um, not in terms of this particular podcast. Um, you know, you guys are great, but I'm just talking about how people do things in life and when people get recognition for something and they don't for the thing they should get recognition for. So there's sometimes where I post something wherever, it doesn't really matter, and, uh, you know, it gets likes or whatever. But then when I post, like, my work, crickets. <laughs> mm. I, I I don't... I don't really... This is probably just a thing that everyone who's a creative just understands. And they're like, oh, here we go. Oh, he's talking, He's going to talk about this. Yeah, we know, bro. Preach to the choir. But, like, it's yeah. just... It just irritates me. It really does. Like, I've just how... I'm trying to do something here. And I'm trying really hard. And sometimes it's just... It really does just break my back thinking about it. Like, I, I understand that I'm good at this. And, you know... You know, I need I need more than that at some point. <laughs> at some point, I'm gonna need more than that. You know what I mean? So that's that's just that's just how I've been feeling the past few days. But I'm um, I'm you know, and it's and it's always waves of I'm over it, and then you know you just get yeah. back to normal and just back to doing things. You know, I've had really good output the past week, and I'm proud of that. And I've still uh, just a little teaser, I guess. I've got a couple of interviews coming for the fifth element, so oh, look out cool. for that. Um, some 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 I actually have mentioned in this show. Just a little teaser cool. for that. Um, and, yeah, you know, and obviously we've got the podcast number three coming through. That's going well. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's all progressing. But it's just sometimes just I wonder when the people will, like, actually show love. <laughs> it's just it's just like, you're going to do it now? No? Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to keep doing it because at some point you're just going to shout at me. And then there will be a point where I'll be so over it. And I'll just be like, nah, you know what? Be silent like you were previously when I was struggling. Thanks. Because I don't need it right now. I was talking to Winnie about this yesterday and just about this whole concept in general. And I feel you 100%. And I've gotten to a point now where I can probably speak with a little bit of authority on it because people actually are very nice and very engaged with what I do. But what I have noticed is that 90% of the big projects that I do, like the really big projects, get my equivalent of crickets. So they don't get, they don't get barely any engagement. And I've had to study what people like and I know what people like now. And that's what I've been doing all September now is stepping back from uh, hip hop numbers and just like putting out 
it's still great content don't get me wrong it's it's i still put my heart and soul into the content i put out but if you go on Mm -hmm. the page now engagement Mm -hmm. is way the fuck up like it's way up and this is my retreat position i'm like i know what people like i know what's gonna get engagement i know what they want to hear i'm gonna give them that because it's um it means I don't have to spend three months gathering data for a post that's going to get 20,000 hits rather than a post that I spent 10 minutes on that's still good content, don't get me wrong, but it's going to get 100,000 hits in the first hour. So it's really freaking hard, and I think that's why a lot of artists get very jaded. And mm-hmm. I have so much respect for people like you, people like Carter, people like myself who and and i i when we first started this podcast i think i said to you in a voice message i'm like i'm really glad to discover that you're one of those people who loves to create and creates at a high level and is passionate about it but doesn't think that they're going to go viral in a week yeah. and that means that we can create something real something yeah. with strength and uh authenticity and I noticed that with Central Source, but it's super rare, man. And I totally understand. Like, I've been in contact with at least 50 people over the past five years who thought that we were going to go viral within a week or a month. And then they stopped because they're like, man, no one's fucking with this. This is good content, but nothing's happening with it. And I understand that, but, like, it just takes such a freaking long time. And a lot of people don't understand that about hip-hop artists, man. Yeah. They, they, they put out, like, 10 free mixtapes before their first album. Do you know how much heart hard work they put in and there's no such thing as an overnight success Mm. so i would just say your content is Mm. good your editing is fantastic like we got to keep grinding as long as we're motivated as long as we're motivated we don't have to force ourselves to do it but um oh yeah for sure it comes man it does come people 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 see it eventually it just takes fucking time but it's really hard to get there it's really hard to get there yeah i understand um and also on the one more, just one more thing, like uh, I bought, I actually bought a vinyl recently. Uh, it's come in, well, in a, in a month or so. Well, well, the album drops November, so yeah, probably around then. But Michael Kiwanuka's uh, Kiwanuka, I bought, uh, uh, it was, it's, it's going to be like, it's two pink colored LPs and uh, seven inches. Well, bonus, Ed, I'm hyped for that. I don't know. I haven't bought a vinyl in time because I've just not had the P for it, but boy. This is a good purchase. I'm gonna enjoy looking at looking at that boy. Oh, it's gonna be so good. But anyway, that's just um, that's a random sick, thing man. that I thought thought about. <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen, uh, thanks for the pep talk. This has been digging in the digits. I've been Charlie Taylor of the Fifth Element. I've been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. We hope you guys enjoyed this particular episode. Uh, this is obviously part one in our dual disciplined artistry i need to close my eyes and say the three words <laughs> like like a, like it's rudimentary i'm teaching to myself abcs but anyway mm-hmm. hope you enjoyed this uh, part one part two is obviously next week next episode be sure to check in with us on that but until then have a great week we shall try and do the same as always but until the next time take it easy ladies and gentlemen all right peace Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show was edited by me. Music for this show, piece from video games by bonus points. Thanks to Chopper Breakers for the ability to use. Socials for the fifth element, hip hop by numbers, bonus points, and your hop records will be in the description wherever you're listening. This has been a fifth element podcast network and hip hop by numbers collaboration. Thanks for spending the time with us, and we shall see you next time. 
to dig in the digits.